Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Year of Mahita Talks. I'm very delighted today to have Steve Stagaconis with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about a topic that, to be honest with you, I'm not very familiar with, but I'm really excited to learn more about today, and that's cybersecurity. So Steve is actually the founder and president of Secure Network Solutions, and he's going to walk us through some cybersecurity topics today. So welcome, Steve. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. As I said in the intro, I know I should know more about this than I do. Um, you know, I think it's a world that's changing so fast as technology changes. So we're always looking to those experts um, like yourself to help us try to stay on top of it. It seems as soon as we figure out how to thwart a, a security risk, they figure out a new way to do it that we have to go back and figure out. So I'm excited to learn from you today. But I was hoping you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself and um, how you got started in cybersecurity. Um, yeah, it's an interesting story. It was a great story, actually. So um, back around 1996, 97, I actually um, was working for a large corporation, um, Xerox, actually. And I ran into a childhood buddy of mine. And I said, what do you do? And he was a uh, working in security for a utility company. And I said, wow, you went to four years of college and you're a guard. He goes, no, 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 internet security. And I said, well, what's that all about? And he said that we're, we're doing security for the utility company because they're concerned about being on the internet. Um, we quit our jobs. Uh, we quit our jobs and we built a software product by bringing a, a developer in and he became a partner. And we started to, to build a software product that would find computers on networks and then expose weakness is on them and then allow this to really hack and under contract and soon after that we actually you know we built a small little company we got bought by a publicly traded company and about a year later um it wasn't a good fit we bought the company back about 2001 and we started doing pen testing and you know it was hard back then to find companies to take security seriously on the internet mm. um and it was just a uh, incredibly difficult thing, a lot of rejection. And people were like, well, I'm not a bank. I'm not a credit union. I'm not a hospital, I'm not a government agency. And then they started getting hacked. And that's when things started to change. And ultimately, that was kind of where it started. Um, it all started in a coffee shop, actually. We built the company for about two years, um, meeting at coffee shops, and then finally building out a space and, and going from there. Um, mm -hmm. So it's taken about 30 years for people to understand why cyber is so important. Yeah, it's been a slow roll, but I, I would agree with you. It's it's top of a lot of people's mind these days, whereas, you know, even 10 years ago, a lot of times there was, you know, people in material handling would have one IT person that was kind of in charge of everything related to computers, including security. Um, but I have heard of a number of organizations getting hacked and all the negative things that go along with that. So I was hoping we could jump right in. And I know there's so many security threats these days, but I was wondering if you could give me just kind of an overview of some of the biggest threats out there that you're seeing. Biggest threats right now, and it's kind of like what's put cybersecurity on the map is ransomware. So if, if you want me to explain that, I can, but that's what's really hurting our country and hurting businesses across the globe. Um, and that's where 
a threat actor, which they don't call them hackers anymore, call them threat actors. Threat actors will break into a company and they stay inside there for a while. They find your data and they encrypt it. And that means that when they encrypt your data, you can't use it until you pay for a key that they have a, um, a figure or a dollar amount for, which is the ransom. And that's what's been really bothering and hurting a lot of businesses, large and small across the world. And it's incredibly lucrative. It uh, The folks have to pay to keep their businesses running. And it, it's costing it's costing our country a lot of money. It's costing businesses a lot of money. Um, and it really is painful. It hurts everybody in the company, large and small. So how are these hackers getting into the system to be able to install the ransomware? Mostly it comes out of two elements. And I think the two biggest elements are um, the company itself probably has poor security. They never feel as if they're they're going to be having a problem because they're not a bank or they're not a financial institution. They're not regulated. And the second big deal is that if their users, the people that are on the network, don't understand what's considered nefarious, that becomes the issue. So when you have a user that doesn't you know, understand about what they're clicking on or providing, that's first problem. And then when they do that, our bad guy then gets a hold of a foothold in that network. And now that network isn't very secure on the inside. And that's when a business feels the pain. That's the worst. Then they spend time inside there, encrypt their data, and ask for some stupid amount of money. And that's how it all begins. Yeah, I, I've been definitely I've had some of those emails sent to me and some of them, you know, I almost responded to because it really was written in a way that the person that was supposedly sending it to me would have written it. Um, you know, so I think it's getting harder to identify those. How do you train your employees? I mean, now everybody has obviously access to email everybody has access to the networks and in, in most companies but how do you really train them of what to be aware of and what not to do to kind of protect your company so a lot of folks now are using subscription services that train users and they fish them and they show them you know different scenarios and it's kind of like coaxing them into understanding that you're being tested and that if you spot something, say something, or don't click on it, or don't do it. Um, and that in the beginning, I think was really, was working well. And I think companies deploy those solutions like uh, like Know Before and those other products that are out there and they do work. But over time, I think they've become desensitized to it. And now the threat actors and, and even my team have created the same type of testing emails and they fall for it. So there's almost like a fatigue that goes on. Now I will tell you what I, I see works and we've seen this over time is that we do training where we, we make it relevant to the user that they're getting trained on what to look for, not because the company is telling them that's what they need to do. It's because that if they get hacked at home, they got nobody to talk to. There's nobody to work with. And when a person loses their identity or loses you know, their 401k, or has everything out of like, you know, Venmo or Cash App get pilfered, now it becomes real. And, and the retention rate's better. So you gotta make it relevant to them as human beings, not just as some, you know, corporate initiative. And that's the difference. And I've seen that working. Yeah. 
No, I think that's a great point. Especially whenever you can bring it to personally, um, how is this going to affect me? I think that's always more effective because that's just how us humans work sometimes. Um, but I think it's a great point because those things that I could do at work um, that can negatively impact the company, I could do at home that could negatively impact me and kind of understanding how that all works is really important. You know, there's been a lot of talk, I would say in the last few years, AI has been around forever, um, but I've seen it just really explode, especially over the last two or three years in terms of people using AI. Um, how has AI and kind of the rise of that technology impacted cybersecurity risks? Well, number one, AI is probably, from what I've seen with the threat actors, they're just starting to use it. But when they start getting more in depth with AI, I think we're going to see a lot more, a lot more sophisticated hacks. So good example, uh, you know, like early fishes that I saw, like the ones that came out of other countries that are, that were crafted, poorly written, bad grammar, you know, just yeah. you know, once again, when you start reading through them, you're like, this has to be, you know, bad because it's just when you read it, when you read it, you were like, okay, yeah, it's, it's, this is spam or whatever. Now they're leveraging things like chat GPT to write, or they did for a while. Chat obviously is, is closing their doors, but there's other vehicles that are out there. Now they're writing things that are incredibly articulate. They can take, you know, an email that belongs to a legitimate either company or partner or vendor, and then craft it into something that really looks legit and then send that and it's hard to decipher. So you've got to go through and really start looking at things closely. AI, I think they're going to be doing more things with like when you receive those calls, okay? And you know, somebody wants to sell you a warranty on a car that you haven't had for years. I think you're going to see when they hear you or they take a snippet of your voice and that they can put two and two together and use you as a person that they're going to you know, leap from, or, or they're going to target somebody that knows you, then they're going to leverage your voice using AI, call that individual, pretend they're you, and abscond money from them, or leverage some other way of, of getting whatever they want. I think we're going to see more and more sophistication come out of AI for the bad guys. They're going to use it in all sorts of different ways, too. Yeah, it's terrifying. And as I was preparing for this call, I did a little bit of research just to get more familiar with the topic. And I saw so many deep fake videos mm -hmm. that, I mean, even watching it, knowing that it says it's a fake, it was hard to find how you would ever know that. You know, it was hard to pick up how I would have been able to identify it was a fake. Um, you know, I think at least it's getting some attention in the media, but it's getting harder and harder to decipher the difference between reality and and who's trying to scam you. Um, but I think that you made some really good points there. I had read a little bit about risk-based uh, penetration testing. How Can you explain a little bit what that is and how that can help to prevent against cyber attacks? So for years, you know, for the, even us, you know, everybody would use tools to like scan networks. Hell, we developed a tool, you know, that would like look at a network and scan it and find machines and expose a vulnerability. But the thing about doing that old method of testing called CVSS scoring was none of the bad guys across the globe use those tools. They don't use that behavior. 
And now what testing does in the world of risk is, and risk-based testing is, you take on the persona of an actual bad guy. And they call it living off the land. And you, you get in that network and you start doing things and move ever so cautiously through that network and touch a, touch a machine and go away. Because you're, you're evading you know, all the tools like antivirus or endpoint detection so that nobody picks up on your, on your behavior. And then if you test that way, like an adversary, you can show that company or business, hey, this is what you got to do to harden things up. So if anybody ever gets in your network, you know what, um, they can't go anywhere. The goal is now is if somebody gets in your network and they start moving around and they can't get what they want, they become louder and louder until you pick up on them. And then when you pick up on them, you can then push them back out, you know, ultimately put a bullet in them and get rid of them. That's the goal. You know, don't let them get anything. Um, kind of the analogy would be having a house that's so well, you know, locked up from the inside out that if a burglar ever gets in, he can't break into the safe. He can't find where the money is. He can't, he can't take anything and he just leaves at some point or you escort him out. And that's the goal. Fantastic. Definitely something to look into. I have not done that yet for my company, but I, I certainly want to investigate that more. Um, switching gears just a little bit, in 2020, uh, the material handling industry was not um, an industry that typically had people working from home. Um, a lot of offices, when COVID hit, you know, a lot of people were just forced to send people home to work from home. And a lot of those companies have kept that culture because employees like it. It was good for morale, it was good for the business, uh, good for productivity. But I think it still opens up a question of additional security. It's one thing to have security within a, a brick and mortar building, but now having so many employees working from home, does that open companies up to additional security risks? Absolutely. The threat actor learned it during COVID. You know, they, they needed, you know, access to certain credentials and gain access, you know, to the data center back at the office and people were working in the office. So they focused on the home network. And when they focused on the home network, they saw people working from home and it wasn't secure. And then they leveraged the intelligence gathered from the home network to then take advantage of the business that was, you know, void of any people. And, um, and it worked. And since then, they've leveraged that technique uh, over and over. And um, once again, incredibly smart criminal, uh, sophisticated, well-planning, but, but ultimately they, they have a mission and that mission is to get into a company, make money and gather as much intel. And if it's a home worker, it's gonna be a home worker. So how do you prevent against that and still allow people to work from home? Um, but prevent some of those security risks that a, a home network can offer up to cyber criminals. Company has to say to that user, if you're going to work from home, you're going to do it our way. And our way is going to be, as you're going to put these devices. Well, you're number one, I would, I would deploy a device. I wouldn't let them use anything that's a home computer. I'd say, this is what we're giving you. This is how we're going to protect it. Um, and remember, this is, this is something that when you're there, um, you know, you're, you're, we're assuming that you're going to follow our policies and procedures. So um, it's, it's, it's not going to be like having this community machine where the entire family can hop on and buy stuff off of Amazon mm -hmm. or surf the web. 
it's allocated for the resource of doing work and that's it. And the protections that occur between that house and that business is how they're gonna do it. So um, it's not as simple as just, you know, hopping on that desktop that's sitting behind, uh, you know, somebody's, mm -hmm. you know, somebody's family room, so. Would you say that that same theory applies to um, personal phone and tablet devices as well? You know, when it comes to personal phones and businesses, it's a really, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a difficult decision. Um, it's a cost that people don't want to incur. People don't want to carry two phones. But, um, you know, when there's things that are happening on a, on a, on a personal device that involves your business, I think you have to do something to make sure that, you know, you lock down that phone so that the business doesn't take a, take a hit. Um, they've got solutions out there like, you know, mobile device management solutions that if a user works for you and they're using their own phone, you know, part of the job is you put something on your phone that if it gets lost, you know, that thing can be either found or scrubbed or bricked or whatever. And, uh, people are sensitive about their phones. So that becomes yeah. <laughs> maybe a point of contention, you know? <laughs> yeah, I you was know? the same. I mean, when I worked for um, a larger company, I didn't, I didn't want to use their phone. I just wanted to use mm -hmm. my own phone for everything, just for my own convenience. Because um, people run their life through their phone now. Um, so I can definitely see how that can cause some friction between the company and, and just individuals and how they like to kind of manage their day and time. So thank you for that. But it's important to recognize that we have to be aware of those security threats. And I think I know just as well that my home computer was never protected as well as my work computer, um, just based on investments in technology of how people treat home computers versus work computers. So I think those are really good points. Um, I, you've been doing this for a while. I was hoping you could share maybe a real world story of maybe something that got hacked with ransomware since we talked about that and kind of the progression of, of how that happened, what they did about it and, um, what happened to the company as a result. A lot of companies. I mean, you want a good outcome or a bad outcome? I mean, you tell me what you want. <laughs> I always like good outcomes and I think the bad outcomes really resonate more with people of man we got to get something done and, and fix this because we don't want this happening to us okay i'm at the tail end of one right now i'll tell you they have a good outcome and it's a nice to see what happened so i got a phone call two days prior to new year's eve uh company's hair was on fire essentially they got ransomed everything was locked up um they're in an industry where they rely heavily on on the consumers to go visit them and and um, it's a it's a resort it's a recreational area and their business is now shut down so everything that they do at this resort starting with a new year's eve party is in question tickets have been sold people are showing up they're in the hospitality industry as well and nothing is working so now you can imagine how desperate they are everybody prepaid for the new year's eve party but after that, everything is shut down. So here's an industry, here's a business that they thought would never be on the targets of a threat actor. And the threat actor got in there, very sophisticated, and essentially encrypted all their contents of their data. The backup that they had on premise was deleted. And then the stuff that was in the cloud was gonna take time to recover. So 
you know, kind of put a battle plan together. And the first goal was is figure out how they got in. And within about two to three days, we found a computer. Somebody plugged it in and it sat there and it was full of old credentials, meaning old administrators and users that had privilege to the network. Um, that machine should have been should have been actually should have been discarded. And then the other thing was about a month or two months prior, somebody clicked on a link that gave the threat actor privilege to hop in the network. So somebody received a phishing email, they click on a link, it dumps down a payload, which is a piece of software, that's a piece of malware that launches itself inside. Now that malware is in there, our threat actor has a foothold inside the network. He finds that computer that shouldn't have been plugged in. He uses an account that was a privileged account of a domain administrator, means that that's the guy that ran the network. And now he looks and waits. And at the most opportune time, he shuts him down. And that's when they start asking for a ransom. And after that thing was discovered about three days later after New Year's, we started putting a plan together and it was painful. Um, they couldn't run their business, but they focused everything about getting everything back up and running. And, you know, within time, we got a backup that was from weeks, I think weeks prior to the actual day that they were, uh, they were hit. And slowly and methodically, they rebuilt everything. But you have to rebuild everything in a protected area because if that bad guy left something in there, he's going to have the ability to just compromise them again. And now you're in this conundrum. So it's day 28. Um, they rebuilt everything. We kicked out the threat actor. We talked to the threat actor and said, yeah, we're probably not going to pay you. And he's going to say, well, I'm going to post your content. And that hasn't happened yet, but it probably will. But the more important part is, is the business is functioning. People are getting their paychecks. People are able to go back to work. The employees have a job. They've got someplace to go. Um, and they will survive. They will. So, That's a great you know, story. Most, yeah, most of the time it's three months, four months, could be a year. And with like within less than a month, these folks got back on their feet. Um, you'd like to see scenarios like that. Um, yeah. Other companies, they go out of business. So, yeah. I mean, even so, to yeah. be down 28 days is for a lot of companies is, is detrimental. Um, but I'm glad it worked out for them. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, so, Steve, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Mejita Talks, but when we get to the end of our discussion, we'd like to get to know our members a little bit better. So, we have a lightning round. A lightning round is just 10 quick questions, trying to get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready to enter our lightning round? Sure. All right. I like to start off easy. Uh, what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Strangest thing I've ever eaten? Wow. I'd have to say, I think it was some sort of sushi that was like a sea urchin or something. I don't know. Well, I know I'll never do that again. It I can get dicey. Was, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. There you go. That'll never happen again. Would you rather have everyone be able to read your thoughts or for everyone to have access to your internet history? Oh, they can have my internet history, hands down. <laughs> I bet mean, yours is probably I don't care. Clear. <laughs> 
even uh, what, even the dicey sites, I'm good with it. <laughs> what is the worst job you could have? The worst job I could have or did mm-hmm. have? Could have. And the what's a job, job you'd be terrible at doing or would hate doing? I would hate to protect a network. I think that'd be the worst job. <laughs> I'm the guy figuring out how to break into it. That's the best job. Uh, <laughs> uh, what TV sitcom family would you like to be a member of? Oh, Seinfeld. Without question. <laughs> That's a good one. What new technology will transform the future? I think self-driving cars. I've been driving too much. I, I hate driving. So... Uh, I'll be the first customer. Would you rather have a personal maid or a personal chef? Personal chef, without question. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Can you imagine? I know. What have you done that you're most proud of? Um, probably you know, have a small business that's that's relatively successful. You know, get. I think that would probably be one of the most uh, things I'm proud of. Yeah. That's certainly no easy task. So congratulations. What was the last movie you watched? Oppenheimer. I still haven't seen that. If you had to choose a perpetually cold or hot place to live, which one would you choose? A hot place. And do you make New Year's resolutions? Oh, yeah. Can you give me your top one? Stop eating junk food. <laughs> so my partner buys all these snacks in the office, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not snacking on the junk food anymore. No more. That's good. All right, sir. Well, you um, made it through our lightning round. Congratulations, and thank you. Um, if people are looking for more information, how can they get a hold of you? Go right to securenetworkinc.com, Secure Network Inc. Um, you can hit us up there. It'll go right to our uh, our inbox, and somebody will either respond. If there's a question, comment, concern, um, let us know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Mejita Talks. Um, I certainly learned a lot from this discussion, and I, I'm certain our members will. I, I appreciate what you shared. Sounds good. Thanks so much and have a great day. You too. Thank you.